0: good evening and welcome to the alien gazing podcast where we cover a range of ufo alien topics while featuring music from a variety of shoegaze grunge gaze new gaze and dream pop artists my name is nick i play in the band saucers over washington and i am the chief host of the alien gazing podcast tonight i am joined by my good friend and new skate buddy thomas Mack also known on instagram as the daily 180 what's going on tom hey nick i'm doing really well thanks for the plug man anytime dude honestly uh you've been inspiring me to skate uh i i always wanted to skate when i was a kid but i was never good at it so i just you know put my skateboard away and i've been watching you on instagram the past couple of months and as i watched you i've just been like i want to do that and i like that concept you want to actually go into it a little bit
1: yeah totally um i'm gonna get a little mushy if you'll allow me to maybe a little sentimental for the mush it up podcast but i um actually really have been excited about our friendship lately because me and you actually met by chance a while back i think it was like 2013 or something um, on that tour,
0: yeah. That's right,
1: yeah. Grizzly Adams came through Jacksonville where I was living in student housing in this tiny apartment that was also for some reason insanely cold because yeah. of <laughs> a roommate
0: yeah it was when, when he kept it at like what 68 Is or something something
1: crazy like that Yeah, and we
0: refer, I referred to it afterwards as the meat locker <laughs> right
1: yeah and I honestly did not enjoy living with this person very much so when you and what was like two or three other bands came through I was like yeah. come stay at my <laughs> student housing <laughs> apartment whatever Um, and I remember you guys were so cool to me for that and super thankful. I remember Grizzly Adams gave me like a sticker and a shirt and you guys had a bandana or something like that. I
0: remember those. (laughs) And
1: yeah. And I had the bandana hanging on my bathroom wall, which I don't know why of all things I was like, I'm going to hang this on a wall in my (laughs) bathroom. But any who flash forward, I ended up moving here to Orlando and realized you guys were stationed out of here. And yeah, we connected through skateboarding. And I remember being so excited to skate with you because I also knew that you were super into like the UFO phenomenon. And I was like so excited to talk to you about it. So I think it's really great that it's come kind of full circle. (laughs) And now I'm sitting here getting to talk to you about it even more so. Yeah, it's been great hanging out and and skating and shredding, and now I'm super ready to talk about aliens and UFOs.
0: (laughs) Well, that is so flattering, and that is also a really good transition, because tonight Tom and I will be discussing the recent documentary called The Phenomenon, and we'll be sharing our thoughts and attempting to answer the question of whether or not this may be the definitive UFO et documentary the world has been waiting for additionally we have a short segment of ufos in the news concerning an old youtuber who has recently re-emerged from a year-long absence but before we get into all of that let's take a second and listen to our first song for tonight's episode and the first song for tonight's episode is called wait by the band cigarettes for breakfast Cigarettes for Breakfast out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And uh, that single was released in January of this year. And I have some cool stuff that the band has going on right now. So right now they have this straight to vinyl session pre-order starting this Sunday, which is June 6th. Um, So I'm going to read a quote from the band so you guys kind of know exactly what I'm talking about. So, quote, they said, basically we will be going to Lista Val sound recording in Brooklyn and cutting personalized 7-inch records of a song of your choosing. There is no duplication whatsoever and each song is played live once per order and is one of a kind. We have a few song options to choose from, including Wait, which was the latest single you just heard, and records are $25, and the estimated shipping date is the ninth. sorry, the 5th of September this year. Uh, end of the quote. Uh, so basically, yeah, so uh, you basically, you go to the website, and we'll have a link in the description for this episode, uh, but you go to that website link, and then you choose a song, and whatever song of the bands that you want to choose, they'll record a straight live session, and you'll get a copy of that on record. So it's like, it genuinely is one of kind. I've never heard of a band doing something like this. This is really, really cool. I might actually get one of these. So yeah, uh, like I said, the the link will be in the description for this episode. And additionally, uh, Cigarettes for Breakfast will be playing in the New Colossus Festival in Brooklyn on July 25th, and the Kung Fu Necktie Festival in Philadelphia on September 24th. Uh you can also find them on Instagram, just Cigarettes for Breakfast Band or at Cigarettes for Breakfast Band or through their website, cigarettesforbreakfast.com. Uh so yeah, guys, uh definitely worth checking out. I got into them about three or four months ago. Um When I did the first live stream that actually inspired this podcast, uh, they were on the playlist that I featured, and I just, I love their fuzzy guitar tones. You know me, I love those fuzzy guitar tones. And uh, the middle of the song, towards the end, the way everything just pans, um, it just like is this beautiful wash of just riffage and voices, and ah, it's beautiful, it's lovely to get lost in. So anyway, yeah, so the band Cigarettes for Breakfast, the song Wait. And now back to the show welcome back to the alien gazing podcast now before we start getting into our main topic for this episode we've got an interesting story for our news segment aptly titled ufos in the news this story concerns famous youtuber tyler glockner's sudden return back to youtube after nearly a year and a half long absence Now, for those who aren't familiar, Tyler is best known by his YouTube channel, Secure Team 10, where he has uploaded hundreds if not thousands of videos containing UFOs captured on camera, with sources including subscribers to his channel. With over 2 million subscribers and a consistent rate of posts, sometimes even multiple in a day, Secure Team 10 seemed to have come to a definitive halt in late 2019. The channel still existed, but all the videos Tyler uploaded were taken off his channel. It was effectively a dead channel until about a month ago when he announced his return, along with the return of all his previous videos. Uh, He did this in a short video on the channel titled, I Shouldn't Be Alive. In it, Tyler informs his audience that part of his absence, specifically over the past six months, had been due to an ongoing issue with his pancreas, including surgeries and serious hospitalization. He goes into much more detail in the video, so if you're curious, definitely check that video out. But anyways, since, uh, since then, he has been putting up videos pretty consistently, and his entire archive of previously uploaded videos has indeed returned. Uh, so Tom, have you heard of this uh, heard of secure team 10 yet?
1: I have not heard of secure team 10 a.k.a Tyler Glockner, and I was actually pretty ex- uh, surprised by that because these videos this guy has on his channel are crazy and I was like man How have I not seen these before? I'm super impressed
0: Yeah, he's he's amazing like he's I started following him back in like I think 2015 or something And what I liked about him was that he not only posted videos of the UFOs, but he also posted videos like debunking, you know, certain articles that would pop in the media that would be like, oh, this is a UFO, but really it's like a blimp. And he would call stuff out like that out. So he felt like a very, like a legitimate grounded source. Um, So yeah, so I wanted to share this because although Tyler does have some controversy around him and we can get into that on another episode, but, um, but anyway, in my opinion, He does come off cringy at times, but he nevertheless does have an extensive archive of fascinating UFO footage And I cannot recommend enough anybody listening to check it out now that it has become available again
1: Question about this. Yeah, he goes offline for a couple months, right and Mm -hmm. then comes back and says well My pancreas was going crazy or whatever and I had to be in the hospital. Thank god. I'm alive and my my question is, well, why do the videos go down like you go to the hospital and your first thing is like, let me take down my YouTube
0: channel. <laughs> <laughs> so so b- around the time that that is YouTube channel went down, there was some rumors going about and I didn't really include it in, in the in my notes here because I didn't I couldn't find anything. I looked it up back when it happened, but looking it up recently, I wasn't able to find the same sources. So what I remember of that situation was that he supposedly had a couple of people who hated him uh, and who wanted to see his channel get taken down. And so what they did is they started filing copyright claims on him on YouTube. And on YouTube, apparently, if you get more than like... I think it's like two, you get two strikes and then you're out. Hmm. And if, if um, it doesn't even matter if like it's a legit claim or not, if it's, if it goes through your out, your shut, your channel automatically gets shut down.
1: So I think he,
0: so that was what, that was the stuff that I looked into back back in like late 2019 when I was first looking into this so mm. maybe there's some legitimacy there uh, that would make sense why he would take all the videos right. down and why they're all of a sudden back but... let
1: me check shadow government censorship off
0: my <laughs> <list> of <possibilities. laughs> you know it's funny he actually did a couple of videos like I think this is back in 2018 where he was talking about being followed and stuff and, you know, there are some people out there and this is where the controversy with Tyler Glockner comes in, is some people out there are make the claim that his videos are faked, that he does some content just to promote drama on the channel, and there are definitely YouTubers who do that, so I'm not gonna say that he definitely does or definitely doesn't, I don't know, but regardless of all those controversies, the footage, some of the footage he has on is just amazing. Well, that's the great thing
1: about the time that we're living in right now where everybody's got a camera and the amount of footage that's getting uploaded and posted on the Internet these days is insane. And, you know, a lot of it you look at and you're like, all right, that's got to be a balloon. Right. And then some of it you're like, whoa, right. Right. (laughs) What is that?
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's like, you know, it's funny when the Tic Tac video became really popular. It's like I had been watching Secure Team 10 for like a year or two, you know, and it's just like, yeah, I see this stuff all the time, guys. Where you been? Secure Team 10, dudes. (laughs) Um, Well, that about wraps it up for tonight's segment of UFOs in the news. Now let's get on to our next song and then our main topic for tonight's episode. And our next song for tonight's episode is from a band called Lassitude out of Tabasco, Mexico. The song is called Feroz. Uh, That song was called Feroz by the band Lassitude. And they are a shoegaze dream pop band from Tabasco, Mexico. And their self-titled debut, released in 2018, gained attention from national and international press outlets. That single you just heard, Feroz, is their latest single, being released just over a month ago. And it tells the story of a fictional character who discovers a sinister side within, which forces her into an existential struggle, surrender to it, Or fight it with all of her strength. Uh, I just want to let everyone know. You can check out. They did a great music video for this. And you can check that out on YouTube. Uh, Just type in Feroz by the band Lassitude. And just so you know. This is a Mexican band. So yes everything was in Spanish. So Feroz is spelled F-E-R-O-Z. That's F as in Frank. And the band's name Lassitude is spelled L-A-S-I-T-U-D. That's for the benefit of anybody who um, isn't familiar with Uh, Spanish language terms so Um, but anyway uh, the band is currently working on some new songs to be released as singles throughout this year along with some music videos and an upcoming record to be released at the end of the year they're not sure if it's going to be an EP or an album just yet uh, you can also follow the band on Instagram at LassitudeMX. That's L-A-S-I-T-U-D-M-X. Uh, you can also follow them by the same handle on their Twitter account. And you can find them on Facebook. Just look up Lassitude, L-A-S-I-T-U-D, and their Bandcamp. That's lassitude.bandcamp.com. Uh, I found this band uh, earlier this year when they released this single. Uh, I guess it was making its rounds on one of these shoegaze groups I'm in on Facebook. And I saw the music video and man, the music video was so freaking cool. And the song is so good. And um, I kept getting the chorus stuck in my head. Obviously, I don't know the lyrics, um, but it's like, it just kept getting stuck in my head. And you know, you know, a song is really good. When it's in a different language, and that uh, that doesn't hinder you from being able to get stuck in your head, you know, because we tend kind to of get stuck in our head the things that um, that we recognize a little bit easier, you know. But you know, there's a certain thing about lyrics and something being lyrical. It's less about the words being used and more about the way that the words flow. And yeah, there's something about that chorus and the way that it flows that just kept getting stuck in my head, man. I love it. Uh, So, great song, Lassitude, Feroz. Check it out, guys. I highly recommend it. Great, great band. Um, And they got lots of music out there. So, uh, definitely check them out. And with that, let's get back to the show. All right, welcome back to the Alien Gazing Podcast. And now we're about to get into our main topic for tonight's episode, which concerns the documentary titled The Phenomenon, which came out in October of 2020. Directed by James Fox. And it's basically about trying to recontextualize the legitimate study of UFOs within our modern day atmosphere of acknowledgement of the phenomenon's existence. That's obviously a mouthful, but more succinctly, uh, it's basically taking us through like a journey of the current culture of UFOs and then kind of taking us through like the beginning of that culture from the first Incident of UFOs being popularized in the media, all the way through to now. Um, And I want to start our little segment of this with a quote that comes from the beginning of the documentary. um, And it comes from a man named Christopher Mellon, who is the former Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Intelligence for the U.S. Defense Department. And he says... Everything we know and have learned about mankind and its place in the universe suggests that we are part of the norm. We are not the exception. We need to begin to prepare to accept and understand that we are not alone in the universe, have not been, throughout this time. So, that being said, that's what starts the documentary off. And before we get into some of like the specific um, incidents that the documentary covers, I just want to go ahead and get our impressions. So... Um, Would you like to go first, Tom?
1: Yeah, you know, I think this this quote is something that is uh, unfairly whimsical or fantastical. You know, I, I it seems so obvious, but maybe that's just because you and I are people who are kind of already open to this idea anyway. But you would think that any sort of person who would reject the idea of intelligent life anywhere else you know, just to give it five minutes of thought, would say, yeah, you know, pr- pr- probably, right? <laughs> you, you, when you start to hear these numbers of how vast the universe is and how many I, stars there are and planets that are similar to Earth, it seems asinine to sit here and think that, yeah, it's just us and, right. you know, we're there <laughs> nobody else, and it's like, of course, we must not be, you know, the, the only ones. Right, exactly. Um, so the other thing about this is obviously the source of the quote, right? Christopher Mellon, former deputy assistant secretary of defense for intelligence. This guy, he didn't just come up with this and was like, <laughs> yo, I took an ayahuasca trip and now I had this enlightenment period. He's seen some stuff,
0: right? He actually, he's one of the people who is responsible for getting the, uh, the tic tac UFO footage out into the public. So it's Whoa. like he's been yeah okay. so he's been working behind the scenes trying oh. to help get this out there. Um, another guy that's involved with that is a uh, Lou Elizondo um, from that uh, the A Tip program. Right. Yeah, so it's it, it's insane and and this documentary. What I love about it is that it's it. So you were talking about, uh, the episode that we did on, uh, the, um, the Bob Lazar documentary. Right. And in that, the, the issue, biggest issue I had with that documentary was that some of the things that were not the information itself, but some of the ways that it was presented came off kind of like cokey and a little bit culty. And I think I said in that episode, like if you're trying to convince someone of a point of view or of an idea don't make them feel like they're on an acid trip <laughs> <laughs> you know and that's what i love about this documentary it's not that it's very grounded and it feels very it, it doesn't it doesn't throw any hokey or like weird stuff in there everything just feels very grounded every little bit of information they give you they back it up very like pretty quick after um and i feel like that's one of the things that some of the some of the documentaries that have been done on ufo's have suffered from in the past is get is letting it get a little bit too out there. I think that this was just enough. Because obviously, there's so many things that this documentary doesn't cover, it doesn't even start to cover like crop circles, or um, detailed abductions, or, you know, so many things because this topic is so wide and so far reaching. But what it does cover, it does, I feel like if a documentary has the purpose of trying to uh, enlighten the viewer or try to convince the viewer of a certain point of view this is probably the most effective documentary of the ufo et stuff that i've ever seen and i know when i watched it i was just like oh my god this is this is it
1: right this is it yeah i'm sure we might get into it a little bit more detailed later but that's one thing i really noticed about this documentary too is everything was super credible at least as far as who they chose or the different you know experiences that they chose to highlight you know there was a lot of evidence that um was really hard to argue against with these things you know like you said um a lot of different documentaries i think get a little too on the uh acid trippy side and and real far out man but you know like you said entertaining but exactly right and you know maybe that's what they're going for but i think this documentary was really made to inform and uh really get the idea out there and more popularized and i think they did a really good job at that
0: agreed Agreed. All right. So let's go ahead and get into it. Um, So obviously, this documentary is really extensive. I think it's almost two hours long. Um, So I don't want to go through every single uh, thing. And if we did, (laughs) I mean, if we did, we'd be here. We could be here all night, which I don't mind. But I mean, I know you've got a wife to get home to. So
1: (laughs) yeah, well, she she knows I'm talking about aliens. Don't come a knocking. I think that's. (laughs) (laughs) that's some sort of motto right someone said that before (laughs) hey you said it and i like it so (laughs) Uh,
0: so 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 there's a couple of really significant ones significant events in ufo history that i want to go ahead and touch on and um the first of which is the what people will a lot who will refer to as the first UFO sighting in America, which happened on June 24th, 1947 This is from Kenneth Arnold He was a pilot and he was flying and he saw what he thought were like these You know oval-shaped craft and the thing he said about it was that it quote-unquote had no tails which would obviously mean that it definitely isn't a plane or a conventional aircraft and what I liked about them including this is that people usually associate or at least when they think about aliens and UFOs they think about the Roswell crash which obviously you have to talk about and this documentary does go into but the fact that they they mention this incident which occurs several weeks before the Roswell crash it shows us that the Roswell crash itself wasn't just a one-off it was part of like this series of several UFO sightings that have that were occurring all across the country and the another thing that's interesting about this UFO is when you listen to Kenneth Arnold in the documentary talking about it the way he's describing it it's exactly the same as the tic-tac UFO which we've seen presently so to me that's a nice little through line it's been here from 1947 to today the technology that whoever or whatever they are it hasn't changed we're seeing the same phenomenon that has been going on for decades at this point point. and also declassified documents from this period of time also reveal that the government absolutely took this subject seriously right from the start and the secrecy around it was intentionally done to dissuade interest from the subject Uh, One of the significant uh, things I would point uh, anybody who's listening to the podcast uh, to check out is the McMinnville UFO photo. Uh, This is what is widely considered to be a legitimate photo of a UFO. And it's probably one of the most, even to this day, one of the best, uh, most detailed ones. Because a lot of times you see the photos and they're like kind of like little blips or whatever. This one, you can actually see like a a shape to it. I don't know how they were able to capture that, but this photo has not been able to be debunked. That's called the McMinnville photo. So I'm hoping you might
1: be able to help me answer some questions about the McMinnville photo. Oh, yeah, please. First of all, my favorite thing about the McMinnville photo is that it wasn't even taken in McMinnville. Oh (laughs) In the documentary, they were from like some small butt crack town out in Oregon. And they just that closest bigger town was McMinnville. Oh So wherever (laughs) these people were from had some other name. And they're like, ah, close enough McMinnville photo. (laughs) Which is great. I love how McMinnville is already like a small town that no one's ever heard of. But, <laughs> but it's an even smaller town. <laughs> it's claim to fame didn't even happen there, which is great. Um, but what I'm concerned about with the McMinnville photo is things I've read about it. You know, my first introduction to it was the UFO, um, the phenomenon documentary. And you know, I, I looked up something about it and saw that, you know, people point out that there's this clothesline or string or something that you can see, uh, the photo taken from because there were two photos, correct? I, or am I wrong about that?
0: You're probably correct. I I actually didn't do uh, extensive research on McMinnville before this episode and haven't done in a while. So yeah, please, please go Well, on. allow me to be the expert then. <laughs> yes, yes, please, please do.
1: <laughs> Apparently from, if I'm remembering correctly, I believe there's two photos and people point out that there looks to be like, what seems to be a crease in the picture. Mm-hmm. And then people say, well, actually, you know, that's the, this clothesline or something that the saucer is hanging from. And I'm looking at it, I'm like, ah, you know, maybe it's a crease, but it's in both photos. So i like, I start to wonder, okay, well, did these people string something up? And the more I look at it, the more I think it looks like a damn steamer that you put over a frying pan. I'm like, wait a minute, I've seen that
0: before. I think I've steamed some vegetables with that thing. I don't know. Uh, quite honestly, I haven't. So I've, I've heard of people faking photos. But from my understanding, this the McMinnville was one that they couldn't find any evidence like we're going to talk about in a little bit. But the Conden report, um, which occurs in 1969, that was one of the things that could not be refuted was the McMinnville photo. So mm, okay. I just, I guess, I guess kind of took for granted that it was legit, so.
1: Well, you know, I'm
0: assuming that
1: someone who's tasked by the government to really investigate that incident probably has a little bit more insight than me reading Wikipedia for 10 minutes on the photo. <laughs> um, but, you know, I'm kind of uh, putting my foot in my mouth earlier for saying like, oh yeah, everything was super credible. Cause that was the one thing that was included in the phenomenon that I looked up later and I was like, well, I don't know. I don't know if I'm sold on that. But uh,
0: I'm here to play the skeptic, apparently, in the first part of the <laughs> show. So. Oh, no, it's great. It's great. No, and I think I think that that's actually a really important part of this field is being able to be skeptical in a way that isn't dismissive, you know? Right. Uh, so the fact that you're referencing a photo that seems to suggest that maybe it was something hung on a clothesline makes me want to say, well, let me look into this a second time to <laughs> verify
1: Yeah. You know, and I think you got to approach it with some sensibility. And I know a lot of your listeners do. And that's why uh, they listen to the show. You got to give it some salt. Right. Yeah. And that being said, uh, the Tic Tac story, that's something totally different from the McMinnville photo. Um, the McMinnville photo doesn't look like a tic tac at all, and I think it's really telling that somebody um, from way back in what was it the '40s? You said 1947. Yeah, is it explaining something that now we have footage of and even more eyewitness account of. I mean, that's that's pretty mind blowing to think about, and of all shapes, a tic tac. You know, it's funny because they're, they seem to be white colored, you know, mm. but my favorite Tic Tac was the orange. <laughs> <laughs> and if I saw an orange Tic Tac UFO, I'm like, that's the one I want to get boarded. Yeah. <laughs> or have
0: beat me up. You got to have the right flavor of alien abduction. <laughs>
1: yeah, not for me guys. Mint green, keep moving on. Come back when you got the orange saucer.
0: <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, and that leads us to the, uh, one of the other incidents, which was the July 19th, 1952 UFO flap over Washington, D.C. And so when I say flap, by the way, that was what um, a large occurrence of UFO uh, activity within a small short of period of time is usually referred to as a UFO flap. So that date, July, 19, 19, July 19th, 1952, that is one date, but there were several dates around this date where ufos were seen flying over washington dc and for anybody who's interested that incident where the ufos were seen flying over washington dc this was the inspiration uh for my band's name saucers over washington so just wanted to throw that out there
1: i love that how um when we were skateboarding before we even got on the ufo topic we were talking about music first because that's something else you and i have in common is uh playing music and and you're like, oh yeah, I'm working on this new project, saucers over Washington. I'm like, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> so you knew when we were talking about it. You knew I
0: was referencing that. Uh, that oh incident. yeah. Oh hell that yes. That
1: incident is crazy, and to me, that's one that is um, even more mind blowing. That the fact that we're still questioning. You know, the uh, visitation of intelligent life, the fact that they hovered over the frickin' capital, right? Yeah. Such a populous <laughs> area, the seat of our national government in 1952 caught on film, and we're still like, geez, I don't know. Maybe we are the only ones. Like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, it seems kind of wild, right? Yeah, especially because, like, in watching this documentary again, it's like you realize, like, this was a big part of culture. I mean, like, in truth, uh, Hollywood after 1947 really like went ham with the sci-fi thing. I mean, um, the Day the Earth Stood Still one of the biggest best examples of that, and then just like series of uh, sci-fi movies related to aliens and alien phenomenon. It's like this was really a big part of the culture. I remember watching um, uh, Back to the Future, and uh, there was like a one of the characters like had like a comic book that was like it came from outer space or something like that, and. You know and that that takes place in the 50s at least a part of it does (laughs) so yeah it's just like this the fact that this happened it became like embedded within culture and it was a it was kind of a big deal people were really talking about it people were really convinced um but yeah in, in this specific incident um seven unknown blips suddenly appeared on radar over dc um and this happened again the next weekend and on both occasions jets were scrambled to attempt to intercept and ordered to shoot them down and i have a quote here from one of the pilots he says i'm convinced they're solid objects i'm convinced that they're probably from another planet they're from outer space somewhere i've always felt that way since that night but yet as we were saying despite all this the u.s was adamant about the fact that the et hypothesis was exceedingly unlikely and and tom you were just saying like it's we've got all this this evidence but yet people are still we're still wondering oh is it a real thing but to have been there and lived during this time to experience all this at once it just it makes you want to go back there
1: it makes me feel bad for you know this pilot for instance who i mean we have this quote from him so clearly someone asked him to address this topic and I'm sure he's probably had some fingers pointed and, you know, and some names called because, uh, these are credible people, you know, they don't let any sort of crazy person, uh, fly a fighter jet and protect the capital of the United States. Right. Right. (laughs) And here this guy is saying he's probably gone through tons of training, tons of background checks saying this quote, you know, I believe they're from outer space and that they're solid objects and you know, that he's felt this way for a long time. I mean, it's really astonishing to me that you know we can't just have the full disclosure and i know there's a lot of different theories as to why that hasn't happened yet and a lot of them make sense to me but uh you know the uh, the yearn to to know the truth in me just says i'll just make it happen (laughs)
0: all right 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 yeah because it it feels like it's funny, every time I think about that line of thought, it's like you have to think about, like, Copernicus, you know, and, and all the different other scientists who had ideas that were threatening to whatever the current thought of the day was. So it's like you're seeing that played out now with this, phen- at least from, I guess, from our perspective. Of course, the more, the more you look into this, the more it feels like, even saying that from our perspective as if believing is coming at a point of like being less legitimate Mm -hmm. in some sense when the evidence seems to speak to the opposite of that that there's so much evidence here it's just been it's just been disregarded and kind of swept under the rug and that element of just like how it's kind of a theme you know like you a person sees something they speak their honest opinion and then they get chastised for it And that's a big part of the next case um, that I wanted to touch on, which was in the documentary referred to as the case that changed everything. Before
1: we get into that.
0: Oh, yes, please. I have a
1: question going back to popular culture right after you know the 40s and 50s you start seeing it came from outer space and war of the worlds and all that stuff well I guess war of the worlds is pretty old right that's like what 1930s that's around the same time yeah okay um do you think that these alien civilizations deserve some sort of royalty for inspiring (laughs) I mean all the great content that's come from them yeah right I was you know we've
0: taken their IP
1: exactly exactly (laughs) Uh, their likeness has been used and I think they are owed some earth dollars what do you think earth dollars buy in the Galactic (laughs) Empire Uh...
0: (laughs) probably like space (laughs) bubblegum
1: right yeah Um, do you have a favorite alien invasion movie or just alien themed movie in general
0: you know, for the longest time, my favorite movie of all time was Signs. Mm, um,
1: great. Oh, so good. You know what? You might have just changed my mind for my answer. Go ahead though. Oh, what?
0: I was going to say the other, but the other one has been the first alien movie and so I so me saying that, um, both those movies are of uh, view the alien beings as like hostile, which I personally don't believe, but as far as like good movie that has that That eerie atmosphere, um, that otherworldliness, I don't know, like uh, when a movie can capture a mood really, really well, like those two movies do, it just really gets me stoked.
1: Well, Um, I got to tell you, you failed the test, Nick. You were supposed to say the phenomenon, the movie we're talking about (laughs) during this episode.
0: Oh, dang No, and you're right though one.
1: Classics, man Now, I was gonna say uh, Probably Independence Day for me And mm. then you brought up Alien I was like, oh wait, no, I do love Alien And then your other one was Signs uh, Signs I was like, oh yeah, I love Signs
0: too So good Well, the <laughs> There's thing, too many The thing I love about Signs too Is that that one is As much as it's about um, You know, the UFOs invading and all that stuff It's also about faith and that's another thing that I think is also associated with with UFO phenomena is this element of like spirituality that's attached to it. Um there's a guy out there his name is Stephen Greer. We've talked about him a little bit on the podcast. We won't go too deep into it um on this episode. We'll do a, a, a an actual episode on him because he deserves another episode by itself. He's but anyway, uh, long story short, he has developed a way to commu- to supposedly communicate with these ETs, and he calls it CE5, Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind, uh, contact that is initiated by humans, and his method for doing this is a type of meditation. Um, I'm digressing, but anyways, the, the thing I liked about Signs too is the element of faith. So, um
1: getting back one more thing about yeah, the yeah, please please washington dc uh, sighting right um those saucers were flying in formation yes. so isn't that typically a defensive or offensive type of strategy when you're flying in a specific formation do you it, my question i'm trying to get to is was that a show of power
0: that's a good question um you know I don't know I mean birds fly in Formation you know and that's, and that's Not necessarily like a Hostile thing although I can't Speak for the minds of birds for all if you've Seen Alfred Hitchcock's the birds maybe maybe He was on to something maybe they're all Right <laughs> they're all But but um I I don't Maybe it was I we do know and they Talk about this in the documentary a lot that uh, There have been many situations Where the UFOs have inter- seemingly Interacted with uh, not seemingly they have interacted with US military bases and shut down their weapon systems. So in a sense I think it could be um but if it was I kind of feel like maybe they they had a reason for it.
1: Well, you did point out how jets were scrambled to shoot them down. Right. So maybe it was just straight defensive and could have just been like a hey how's it going? Oh my god, they're coming with jets. Get in formation. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there's also another element of it too is um people say that you know obviously these crafts can do things that our physics has not able to catch up with right now um so people tend to put this idea out there that maybe every time that we see them they intentionally want to be seen and you know what could be behind that and i've got plenty of my own personal theories but without having any like you know Official evidence to to say one way or the other my best guess is that they are My 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 thing it always leads to consciousness evolution. I think that First I don't think that they they could be hostile because if they were hostile What's stopping them from just doing whatever they want? They obviously have you know something Not just something they've got technology that like we can't even begin to comprehend. So We're not a threat to them you know, there's been situations where people or pilots have shot in, at the, the craft only to get their their weapon systems, like, freeze up, you know? So, it's to me, it seems that, like, they have the ability to defend themselves and they have the ability to be offensive if they want to, but they haven't. We've not had a, a single situation of that. The only thing that comes close is some of the cattle mutilation and then the abduction stories, but there are so many dimensions to both those things that i don't know what do you think about it though well i think
1: that you know exactly what you said these things um have the capability um to defy our understanding of physics which is a whole other can of worms that i would love to talk about um but for the sake of time and the focus of today's episode, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll save that for later in my back pocket, but exactly what you said. You know, when they, when you see them, they are probably fully aware of it and are probably doing it on purpose. So my interpretation is that, yeah, they were there to um, purposely make themselves seen. Now, for what reason, Uh, that I don't really have a good answer to, like you said, they have these capabilities that, you know, if they wanted to be aggressive and offensive, they could, but we just don't see that. So yeah, I'm guessing the visitation or the, the saucers over Washington, one more plug, (laughs) check that out. Um, they were, I think they were just saying, what's up, you know, Hey, we're here. Get with the times quit playing around with all these nuclear toys you guys suddenly are so obsessed with
0: yeah that that seems to be the thing the through line that i get a lot is that they seemingly start showing up in our culture and forget about like the ancient alien thing for a second they've now become part of our culture from 1947 on what happened two years prior to that we detonated the bomb you know so so yeah, I I definitely see that connection there, and I, I do think that they are trying to send us a message, and we'll get into that in a little bit too, because the Zimbabwe case, you know, yes, that's the big one. I
1: can't wait.
0: Uh, but let's go ahead. The the so the other one, this one in the doc in the documentary, it's referred to as the case that changed everything, and this is a case that happened in Socorro, New Mexico, in April twenty fourth on April twenty fourth, nineteen sixty four and this incident officer Lonnie Zamora was following a car out into the desert when he spotted an object out in the arroyo and he says quote I could see some figures it looked like they were walking around the craft and they appeared to be childlike End quote now one of the two persons turned their head and looked straight at Lonnie and then soon after he got in, they got in the craft and they took off and left so after this Lonnie goes and has uh, couple other officers come and investigate the area and an officer who was with him during the investigation of the site provides descriptions of footprints that were very tiny like child's feet tiny we see a bit of footage from the scene of the incident we see imprints in the sand of where the craft landed and we know that army air force and project blue book operatives came to investigate as well um zamora uh the officer who originally saw it he received a lot of mail and attention from people sharing their experiences and validating his after the after the fact. However, he eventually quit the police force because he was so disturbed by the amount of tension he was receiving as a result of the incident. And this wasn't just letters and mail letting, letting him know that, oh, we've seen them too. It was also a lot of hate mail. Like, could you imagine uh, people who get angry on the internet? But no, they're writing letters.
1: (laughs) This is like (laughs) that takes away a lot more hate and effort, you know? Right. You know, today you can just like voice text, you know, somebody all your shit talk. But back then, you (laughs) these guys are writing letters. You gotta physically write. You gotta find the address. Right. (laughs) You (laughs) gotta look them up in the phone book. No, this guy needs to know how I feel.
0: Get me my pen. (laughs) And well, uh, besides the fact that. What, well, obviously, one of the things that makes this most significant is the physical traces and the fact that we have a police officer who says he witnessed an actual ET creature, um, which or it's only going to get bigger from here. And if you haven't seen the documentary, oh my goodness gracious, you got to do it. <laughs> um, but um, but yeah, this case was also the case that convinced J. Allen Hynek that... The UFO phenomenon was real. And for listeners who aren't familiar, J. Allen Hynek was the astronomer who was hired as part of Project Blue Book by the government to basically try and debunk UFOs. And at first, he went along with it because he did, personally did not believe in UFOs. But after his experience with not only with seeing some cases that he really couldn't explain, but also seeing the, the adamant nature of the way that The US wanted to, or the government wanted to deny any possibility of UFOs existing, it started to convince him that there was some legitimacy to the phenomenon. And it wasn't until this specific incident that he really started to take a turn, Um, and he has said as much. And yeah, actually, the, the way I learned about this incident was not from the phenomenon, but actually his book. He's got a couple of books out, J. Allen Hynek does. And this is one of the ones that he references as being, like, one of the most legitimate cases. And it's just amazing to me. I mean, I've been in the desert before, and just the idea of seeing something like this. You know, you you have to think your mind's playing tricks on you, but yet we have physical evidence.
1: Right. Like, so, first of all, poor Lonnie Zamora, right? Yeah. Talk about a tough day. You know, actually, you know what? Maybe it's the opposite. I bet he was probably pretty bored out there in Socorro, <laughs> New Mexico. You know, New York City cop, he's on the beat. He's stopping, like, robberies and murders and stuff. What's what's Zamora doing out in Socorro, New Mexico, right? He's probably just chilling in his car most of the time, just catching people speeding. And then, no, now he's got to deal with seeing alien beings on the beat. He's coming home to his wife. How was your day? I don't want to talk about it. I realize that we're just a small, puny, little, minuscule dot in the vastness of space, and nothing is real oh
0: man that's heavy it's a heavy load right like
1: but hey man for being out in probably middle of nowhere New Mexico and I apologize to our listeners in Socorro New Mexico I'm sure it's a great town there's probably tons of stuff out there to do but gosh in 1964 it couldn't have been much out there (laughs) he's probably he might have been excited for what he was seeing but no we we know from the documentary it was pretty terrifying right um to see these beings uh walking around their craft and that's another thing that's funny is like you know for such an advanced piece of technology to do like we we were saying before like defy our understanding of physics which is kind of what we have to say now because you know to us there are laws but apparently they're only laws to us
0: <laughs> right right it's like the, it's almost like there's you know they've talked about what the god particle and how it could rewrite physics or whatever i mean i don't know anything about all that because i'm not a physicist you know? right. but but it's almost like there's something that we that we're missing maybe you know that 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 can't can't currently account for this this phenomenon but maybe needs to
1: so that's my my point is like okay these guys are so intelligent that they can create these incredible craft but for some reason they break down all the time (laughs) (laughs) they're always crashing out in the middle of the desert And these guys apparently had some uh, car trouble, some UFO trouble. (laughs) And I love that. That's kind of how Lonnie Zamora describes it. He's like watching these things walk around be like, I don't know, Jim. What do you think? Is the battery? Is it the, uh, I think it's the transmission. I don't know. Get inside there. Crank her up. (laughs)
0: Oh, no, there's a human. Oh, God, we got to bail, bail,
1: bail. Well, that's the other thing, right? Is like we were just discussing where, you know, these things, um, things is probably not the right way to, to refer to them. But these beings, right, they have capabilities way beyond our understanding and could probably use them against us if they wanted to. And here are these actual physical beings who are looking straight at Zamora he's looking at them and they apparently seem to not really pay him much attention like they notice him and they kind of just keep on doing their thing with their UFO and then they take off right like there's there doesn't seem from the way I remember, there wasn't a lot of urgency on their part to be like, oh, crap. You know, it g- kind of goes back to the like, ah, oh, yeah, there's somebody over there, whatever. No one's ever going to believe them. Right.
0: I was, <laughs> was going to say it's almost like, you know, when you see um, like when you're when you lock eyes with somebody like randomly, you know, in a field, in a park or whatever. And it's just that moment. And then you just keep moving on. It's like nothing. There's no no big deal. It's like almost like oh yeah he sees us yeah no one's gonna believe him whatever let's just finish what we need to do and exactly <laughs> be on our way <laughs>
1: right you
0: know so um that's kind of how
1: zamora described it but you know now that we're talking it out maybe that's not what was happening you know maybe they were landing there and taking a sample or maybe they just wanted to say what's up to zamora <laughs> <laughs> and give a quick like this mind freak this guy <laughs> well chris angel that was his name right yeah chris mind Angel. Freaked. Freak. <laughs> get mind freaked
0: maybe yeah it's uh but it's amazing i mean regardless i mean it, w- what it's it's really rare to have a ufo setting in general than to have a ufo land and actually see it uh, have you checked out our second episode yet no that one's really cool it's uh it's we talked about a um uh an incident that happened in canada and long story short um what was his name his name was stefan mickalack And basically he sees this UFO and it just lands and it's there. He's just sketching it. He's sketching it for an hour and then he decides to walk up to it. And then as he's kind of examining it and as it takes off, it sets him on fire. Like his clothes get burned. He gets physically burned. He has physical burns and he deals with like not exactly radiation sickness, but something similar and he didn't die from it. Anyways, point being, what a rare and amazing i would say privilege Uh, right maybe maybe not in uh in uh stefan mickalock's case (laughs) (laughs) because he got burned by it but um but definitely for lonnie like to actually see them and man it it only gets more interesting from here as well if you can believe that as you're listening to
1: this right there's some trippy that's just like the early parts of the documentary too there's like so much more
0: packed in there so much more and actually um the next thing I wanted to cover was this thing called the Condon Report. Um, this was a report done by the US uh, in 1969. It was considered a scientific study of UFOs, but really what a lot of what was in this report was debunking and explaining away of UFOs. and. In addition to like some debunky stuff, there's also some legitimate explanations for some of the things that were going on. But ultimately, the effect of the Condon report was that this effectively was the biggest nail in the coffin for the legitimacy of the UFO topic. And this kind of marks, it represents a point in time where people are starting to turn away from it because of this report. And this marks the end of the Air Force's official public investigation on UFOs. However, we know that since then they have done much, much more studying on the su- on the phenomenon. So, But still very, uh, I don't know, kind of a bummer for me listening to this because it's just knowing that they tried to use explanations such as swamp gas for some of the things or balloons. Like balloons and swamp gas are the most common explanations that are like, not, I wouldn't say obviously in every single situation, but in a lot of situations where for example someone observing something that has conscious movements that go like 90 degree angles and stuff like that you can't explain that away you Mm -hmm. you just can't but yet we get some of these debunking type of explanations and it's just sad that it coming from a quote-unquote legitimate source from the government people you know generally say okay that must close the book on the subject no more inquiry needed
1: you know, that was uh, something that Gerald Ford felt very similarly about, because if I remember correctly, he was pushing for reports, too, after some sightings in his home state of Michigan before he became president. That's right. That's and right. he was very upset by the findings, which was swamp gas. Right. And he said very similar things like what we in my the residents of my state saw was not swamp gas things turning at 90 degree angles at supersonic speeds or above supersonic speeds. Like it's out of your mind to say that it's a balloon or, or swamp gas, which is,
0: I just love swamp gas. Yeah. <laughs> like, especially now, like listen to it, It's just like swamp gas, right? swamp gas. And I have
1: to imagine that the people in the 1960s and seventies would have had to have thought the same thing too, you know, like, you come think, on.
0: But, but at the same time, when you have a legitimate source saying, You know oh it's just swamp gas and you know you being a person without the internet (laughs) true to 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 be able to look into what causes swamp gas because it's it's also it's also a very random uh thing to kind of pull out there like not everyone knows what the hell swamp gas is i don't even know what swamp gas is
1: i'm assuming it's a green colored mist (laughs) that hovers over any nasty area in florida of which we live around many but um, we got a ton of swamp and, gas here in Florida. Yeah, <laughs> and I have never seen that. As a Florida resident surrounded by swamps, I don't think I've ever seen glowing gas above or maybe yeah, it doesn't. I don't glow. think so. We, I
0: I I don't know. Yeah. I, well it would have
1: to, right? To I, explain UFOs. It's gotta something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just so random. Swamp gas. Just yeah. like
1: and the the other crazy thing about the Condon report is, you know, um, it kind of relates to Project Blue Book, right? Yes. That's another thing that's mentioned in the documentary. It's actually covered pretty extensively, is how Project Blue Book started pretty soon after the Roswell crash. And yes. um, they had spokesmen. And I was like spokesman for who and they were like the public i was like wait a minute so the government's in uh investigating ufos and they actually have a public spokesman that like keeps people informed about it you know this is crazy to think about but i'm that's exactly what we're seeing right now with the disclosure from the pentagon 100 yeah and like lou elizondo you mentioned before he just got um you know some some backup from a state Congressman um, who said no, this guy was a part of ATEP or ATip, and he knows what he's talking about. What he's saying is the truth, and so we're uh, we're starting to see kind of similar things to, you know, what what we saw back with the Condon report and Project Blue Book, where the government is being you know, kind of open about this stuff, but. I remember us having a conversation recently where we talked about how they close reports like, yep, done nothing more to see here. And that means one of two things that there really isn't nothing to see here or there is. And you better stop asking about it.
0: (laughs) Right, right. It's almost like letting people know that, Hey, we're closing the book on this. So you should stop thinking about it. Stop, stop looking into it.
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah. And honestly, like, Earlier today, I listened to a clip um, with Christopher Mellon when he was where he was talking to Joe Rogan about Bob Lazar, and Bob Lazar's story is something that I can't help but like really believe in. I know Joe Rogan believes in it too, and he Joe Rogan was basically talking to Christopher Mellon, and Christopher Mellon was trying to basically you know distance himself from Bob Lazar. And I've noticed that a lot of the people in the government right now who are talking about UFOs, they tend to disassociate themselves with bob lazar's story and stuff and i think the reason for that is and this is just my speculation so please take this with many grains of salt uh preferably kosher Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um but it's my belief that because what bob lazar is discussing is the u.s military having possession of these craft it presents a threat to national security because if Bob Bizarre is correct, which I believe he is, and that the U.S. has been effectively uh, reverse engineering these craft for a long time, and he was part of that, if that is true, then the disclosure that they're giving us is just barely scratching the surface. It's like scratching, like, there's like a titanium seal and on top of that titanium seal there's like a laminate and we're just barely scratching the surface of that laminate that's how like surface level it is if bob lazar is indeed telling the truth
1: yeah and i i tend to agree with you you know um something else that was mentioned in the phenomenon obviously is the the roswell incident right because that's the most famous and of course um you know that's been covered uh at length but you know they talk about recovering this material. Lazar talks about reverse engineering craft. Um, and Lou Elizondo, to just bring him up again. Um, again, he was the uh, head. Or at least, yeah, he was
0: the head of ATIP, of ATIP,
1: which was tasked with investigating um, the UAP UFO phenomenon, and uh, he even was on Tucker Carlson not too long ago. And don't at me about Tucker Carlson. We'll just uh, leave it at that. But he was on his show, right? And. Uh, Carlson was very careful about the questions he asked him right instead of asking him blatantly does the government have this material from out of this world he would say do you believe the government has this stuff and by asking it in that way Elizondo was able to kind of say yes or no because he's Talking about his beliefs, not exactly what he knows, right? Right,
0: and that's the
1: way you got to frame it. Exactly, and he he was just like, you know, he said, "I got to be really careful about my non-disclosure agreements." But simply put, yes. So it's like, uh, you're how much more clear do you need to be with that? Right, right,
0: <laughs> right, right. No, exactly. Yeah, it, it, it's funny. It seems it really does feel like with all the the government officials who are talking about it, it feels like they're walking like this thin line. You know and they, they can't just outright come out and Say it right they have To they have to walk that thin line but It's interesting because It just it lends credibility To the idea that There's not only is Disclosure like sure, sure it's happening but The disclosure that they're giving us Is only like really just scratching the Surface there's so much more And it just it just it just Really it's it does nothing Sates the curiosity you know. It's only just enough to get you to get you feeling okay about believing in it, but not enough to where you feel like you've been enlightened as to what's actually going on. Right. They're definitely keeping whatever that is close to the chest. Close you... to the chesticles, as I like to say.
1: <laughs> That's a very safe place to keep <laughs> your Yeah you know um going back to the opening quote right from christopher mellon where you know he says everything we learn about mankind and this place in the universe suggests that we are part of the we are not part of the norm or we are part of the norm we are not the exception you know um he that to me isn't hey i saw a piece of metal that we can't come up with on this earth right you know that's not i saw a craft or something that's I've probably met beings or at least seen (laughs) them or seen evidence of them. Right. That's, that's what that suggests to me. Because you can, you can kind of explain away craft or material, right? Like, maybe the government's got something, and they're just, you know, this technology that was developed by humans, but they're keeping it on the low because of, you know, the typical argument of, we don't want our enemies to get it, whatever. But to say something like that, um, I think really speaks to the idea that, no, they, they probably know a lot more than what they're disclosing now. And it's more than we're getting visited from f- flights that take off, like probably had uh communication in some way more than just waving at each other from our ships.
0: Right. Right. And it, it then it, then it makes you want to kind of go down the rabbit hole, mm-hmm. you know, because do you think about the implications of that? And you think about some of the theories and ideas that people have put out there, like some, there's there's some theories out there that, um, who was the president? Was it Eisenhower? Right. Yeah, Yeah. Um, during 1947 um that eisenhower had truman oh truman
1: using my history nerd knowledge oh nice nice nice
0: nice so yeah there was like there was some evidence or not evidence there is some theories out there that it was either eisenhower or truman i can't remember which one but they that that person had a meeting with the et race that's um again speculation that's an idea that's out there i'm not saying it's true or or whatever but it makes you think
1: oh yeah no you're right and um if i remember correctly i think nixon had some sort of like
0: he was he i know nixon was really into the ufo thing like he was he kind of kept it on the down low but um but but yeah he was definitely curious about it i think i think i know what you're talking about too I can't remember the specific the specifics of it, but I know that he was very interested. It's
1: in like some phenomenon. guy he was golfing with, and he was like, hey, want to check out some aliens?
0: <laughs> oh, is that the story?
1: <laughs> I, I, I could be totally wrong about that, but from what I remember, I think uh, Nixon was like governor of California or something, and he was like schmoozing some other... Uh, Higher up in in politics, and they were golfing together, and I guess he said, "You know, come to this hangar and saw a UFO or something." I, I oh, could dang. let me no, no that all the salt on that uh, story. <laughs> but, uh, that's how I remember it.
0: Wow, that's why. Well, you know what? That is a great, uh, great way to transition to uh, the final thing that I want to talk about from the from the documentary before we just kind of discuss it in general is the 1994 Zimbabwe incident. So this occurs obviously in 1994 in Zimbabwe and before the sighting that we're about to describe Occurred it was preceded by three days of sightings that culminated in what is now considered the most Significant close encounter in modern history, and this occurred at the ariel I think is pronounced ariel school uh, in Zimbabwe in 1994 basically children were outside of the school they were playing recess normal activities for kids and then all of a sudden they see a ufo land and they see beings come out of the craft and a lot of the kids reported feeling like they received a message from the beings um so let me give us give us uh, a little bit of um facts associated with this incident. 64 children were interviewed regarding the sighting and they all told variations of the same story. There were several drawings and a variety of testimonies showed consistency among these accounts. And the children said that the craft landed at the edge of their playground and the next thing they knew, something was standing next to it. And I have a quote here from one of the kids. Quote, he had big eyes. Here's another quote. He had a big head and big black eyes and was dressed in black in a black bodysuit and they were as close as a meter away from the creature um or the et or what have you and then what i have um what i have here to share is a compilation of quotes and i think i just want to just go ahead and just share these quotes and then we can just talk about them because they're really compelling um, so these quotes don't come from one specific child. They're from a variety of children who were interviewed, who were just uh, talked to in the documentary. Uh, but so here's a few of them. "Quote: I think they want people to know that we're actually making harm on the world, and we mustn't get too technological." End quote. "Quote: We don't look after the planet." all the trees will be cut down and there will be no air and people people will be dying and quote um and a person by the name of john mack became interested in this case and he interviewed the children and in this sec this little snippet from an interview uh john mack says to one of the children he says is this an idea that you've had before or did this idea come to you when you had this experience he's referring to the previous statement um We don't look after the planet, all the trees will be cut down, and there will be no air, and people will be dying. And the child says in response, this occurred when I had the experience. So what was cool about the documentary is they actually found these kids, or not all of them, but many of them, and interviewed them in the present day. And what they shared, and I'm going to share some of those quotes right now, what they shared was consistent with what they talked about Many, many years ago when this originally occurred. So I'm gonna share a couple of quotes and then we'll go into it. First quote Quote, I don't want to say I felt like I knew it, but I knew that I didn't have to be afraid of it. End quote. Another one, quote, a little man appeared on top of the actual craft, and that moment for me was very distinct because I was like, that's not a human. Next one. Uh, they were trying to communicate. They were trying to tell us something. It was something to do with the environment. I kept getting these thoughts and ideas of technology. Technology is not helping, technology is bad. Next one. And we're going down a wrong path and we have to start recognizing that what we're doing is detrimental and we need to make changes. I don't know what to do with that. They were reaching out to us. It was as if they wanted us to go with them. At that moment, that was kind of when I snapped right out of the trance. And there's one more quote here. As soon as I broke contact, all those feelings, technology, the bad, the horribleness that was going around my body at the time, it all went. And then lastly, before we go ahead and dive into it, one of the people that they interviewed um, in the documentary was a woman named Judy Bates, who was a teacher at the time of the the sighting and who is now a headmistress at the school. And she wanted to reach out to the people who were making the documentary because she wanted to share something regarding regarding the children. And she says, I wanted to apologize. I should have taken more notice. I was more concerned about me and not them. And the interviewer then asks, if you could summarize in just one sentence what took place, what would you say? Judy responds, aliens visited us. And that's it. Mic drop, (laughs) right?
1: Yeah, and that's uh another example of people who are credible. You know, this lady, God bless her for sticking around at the same school, right? right? Since 1994, (laughs) she's still there, and she better be the headmistress, right? Um, (laughs) but yeah, you know, she's someone who also experienced this. It wasn't just children, you know, who can have some pretty intense imaginations. We have some adults who witness this too, who are still there and yeah i think you're right with the mic drop there right she just says aliens visit us that's it right (laughs) right and and, and
0: it's so matter of fact and and it's not it's not said with passion it's not said with any kind of like any kind of emotional overtone that would make you think like there's something else going on here it was just very matter of fact Aliens visited us. Exactly. What's for dinner? Right. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) And these, uh, you know, these witnesses, these children who are now today adults, um, you know, they all had a lot of, like you said, varying uh, experience of the same story, right? Uh, Where they saw this craft land and they actually saw some beings. And one of the students talked about how it was like a couple feet in front of them and like from where me and you are sitting which is not that far right and gosh that must have been crazy because you should have been able to see like some detail right now i i don't know what kind of detail you'd see on these beings you know maybe they're super smooth and featureless but as you pointed out one of the key features were these big black eyes right big head and big eyes and that must have been terrifying Is how I feel like it would go and a lot of the students you know said I didn't feel like I had to be afraid and um, you know there were some other students in the documentary too who said that they were afraid and I think that's really interesting that there was varying degrees of what they saw and felt but it was all the same thing it was 64 witnesses right it makes me wonder if each student had their own unique experience of the same thing. Um, and that was maybe done through some sort of hypnosis or time freeze or telecommunication from the beings to the students individually. And maybe that would explain why they're kind of having these varying experiences. Because one thing that's a little unclear to me is how long this lasted. Um,
0: I forget. They they do mention it in the documentary. I want to say that it lasted like between 15 minutes and an hour, but I, I don't don't quote me, um, but somewhere in that time frame. Right. So it occurred what right? it wasn't super long, but it wasn't super, super short either. So, yeah, go. Uh,
1: so continue. they could have had I mean, maybe they all just had their own experience by approaching these things on their own accord or them approaching the students. Um, But yeah, it's really telling that, you know, they have this similar message of chill out with the technology, right? Right. And um, what it seems to me, especially the quote that really uh, strikes fear in my heart, is the one about all the trees being gone, and there being no air to breathe, and how the student says, I only had this thought when I've had this experience. And granted, you know, we've been talking the the discussion around climate change has been going along for a couple decades now, I think even since back in the 50s or so. Mm -hmm. Um, But still a student in the 90s, especially these kids are young, right? Like what would be in America, maybe third grade?
0: Yeah, probably. They look from the footage, it looked like they were between the ages of like eight and maybe 12 at the absolute the uh, biggest but usually but looked more like between 8 and 11
1: right and I couldn't tell you what climate change or global warming was when I was <laughs> 8 9 or 10 or 11 and we're a similar age group to, right to these kids so yeah I think it's really fascinating um that they had kind of this warning message and you know it makes sense that they would come to a school with the younger population who will eventually be doctors and lawyers but it didn't seem like it really helped these people out all that much right this one person says it's something i've had to deal with for 19 and a half years and
0: right yeah the 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 fact that someone would talk about this and think about this is something i have to deal with i wonder how much of that is like the element of ridicule you know because when you say that you especially this case because this case is like I mean, 64 people saw it. This wasn't like you saw a ghost, you know, in your bedroom closet, you know, in the middle of the night, you know, after
1: watching, uh, the grudge or something. Yeah,
0: right. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. This is like out in the open, you know, on a school playground, no less 64 kids. I mean, how do you debunk that? Of course, uh, in the documentary, I think they talked about how the media tried to downplay it, um, afterwards, which is sad.
1: You know, I think it's so sweet to these uh, South African residents, right? It was in South Africa, I believe. Yeah. Uh, oh, wait, no, Zimbabwe, it's in right? Zimbabwe, yeah. Okay. Which... Uh, I, I don't know my African geography, so I'll have to...
0: <laughs> geography in general is not one of my strengths, but I do I do believe it is located in Africa. I'm going to look that up right now. Okay.
1: Um. But these people are so sweet with their dedication to Christianity, right? The missionaries have gone everywhere and and uh spread the word of christ all over the world but there's that one guy in the documentary uh where he's like they say jesus is visiting us right right, right <laughs> it's all the yeah. locals talking about the story and that was one thing they they said you know it was like oh jesus is passing through africa <laughs> and I'm like, you guys, of course, right? It's it can't be any intellectual life. It's
0: it's our it's our deity. It's Jesus coming back. It's funny you mentioned that um in that that same the second episode um where we talked about the um the uh, Stephen Micolak incident with where he got burned by the UFO. Uh-huh. Uh there's another incident that occurred in Texas. I believe in the 1980s if I'm not mistaken. Um but it's called the Cash Landrum incident. And basically what occurred there is there was uh two women and one of the women's son in the car and they were traveling in Texas and they saw this uh this diamond shaped UFO craft and they got out of the car because they legitimately thought that this was the second coming of Christ and they actually just like Stephen McClock they got burns uh they got significant like radiation type burns from the incident so it's kind of interesting you know it's like that wasn't jesus dude <laughs> <laughs> the second coming's bringing that hot
1: fire yeah he's he's back with a vengeance now <laughs>
0: he's back with a vengeance there was a great
1: family guy uh skit um where it was like uh, jesus coming back it was like they were making a spoof on rush hour and oh it was God. like jesus. the second coming jesus is pissed and he's like <laughs> Taking vengeance now. He's now he's burning people with radiation. Apparently,
0: <laughs> they did an the ep- They did something similar on South Park. There was an episode where it was um they were they were spoofing Black Hawk Down while and jesus was like in the in uh was like packing to save santa claus or whatever it was a christmas episode
1: i think i remember that one
0: yeah and like uh just like he he goes like the tabernacle and just loaded with like the matrix style like guns or whatever ever (laughs) (laughs) just the juxtaposition of those of the imagery of like a holy figure and then artillery it's just right just you know they they say comedy is is like the subversion of expectations a lot of time Uh that's perfect example of that
1: there was that great (laughs) character we're gonna get off on too many cartoons now but i gotta say about the the great character off of king of the hill remember they were always watching tv and there was that one catholic priest who was always whooping people's asses like (laughs)
0: he's always like i just finished king of the hill i don't remember was it in the earlier seasons maybe
1: probably but every time they're watching tv it was always this show or movie where it was like his name was like padre pio or something he's just this
0: oh yes no it was so it was uh it was specifically um peggy uh it was like the spanish yeah, program right yeah, and it was like like this, this this like this priest yeah who was like a secret agent or something right like he
1: that. always had the aviator shades on that's and right yeah he'd like kill somebody and then give them the bless you you know like
0: right right oh, that was it,
1: so funny yeah there there's a great Uh, comedic value to the religious holy figure who's just causing all this violence.
0: Right. Right. (laughs) But, um,
1: yeah. So, you know, getting back to the school visit, you know, I I wonder, you know, going the, the quote at the beginning from, um, you know, these higher ups and, in government, all these guys who have all these security clearances and backgrounds, you know, I, uh, the question about, well, why visit the school, in africa these young children you know i wonder if these beings have been making contact with our world leaders for quite some time and those world leaders just keep squirreling around and they're like all right enough with y'all we're just gonna start making ourselves known to average people now like uh elizondo or these students you know um because the, the arguments to not disclose this kind of information that the government may or may not have, I always find super bogus, right? Totally, um, yeah. Like, the one that's normally talked about is uh, panic, right? The public's gonna panic, which is just like, well, you guys, uh, the Pentagon, being you guys, Uh, You guys just released all this footage of aliens, or at least UFOs, UAPs in 2015, I believe, and no one cared, right? And then, uh, or I guess that's when the photos or the video was taken, and then this past year, they said, oh yeah, those are real, and it was barely a blip in the news, right? And then, um, you know, the other argument is always, you know, we don't want our enemies to get this technology and go crazy with it or whatever and use it against us and you know, use it for war. But it would seem to me that if a superior, intellectual, outer-worldly race of beings came down here with this exciting technology that's just way beyond our understanding, that my first reaction would be, great, I can't wait to use this to blow up the other humans on the other side of the world, right? (laughs) Like, I think your first reaction would be like, oh my gosh, I'm super insignificant, just like everybody is on this planet maybe we should be working together and maybe war seems really stupid now, right? Like,
0: Right, no, yeah, I agree with that. Why is
1: that the concern that we're going to weaponize it? I mean, I understand our past history doesn't really speak too well of world (laughs) peace, but maybe that's what we need to get to world peace is some serious, hey, here we are, and you guys are not the big head honchos you think you are. Maybe start shaking hands a little
0: bit. I'd like to. I'd like to think that that's where this could all go, because uh, I, I do believe that that regardless of what the U.S. and what other governments are doing regarding the phenomenon, I do believe that it is it's a benevolent phenomenon. Like they are here with a message. They're here trying to help us in some way. And and this incident for me, like I think the first time I saw this documentary, I actually had tears in my eyes because, I mean, me personally i take issue with the the way that technology is used in our modern day culture for example like you think about like our our food industry you know like how much suffering we put animals through just to get food and it's done so systematically and just with like no real thought put into it you know it's like we treat these animals like they're just like on an assembly line because they are even thinking about like regardless of climate change because that that's of course a factor but one thing that i don't hear a lot of information about is how destructive just detonating nuclear weapons even just testing them how detrimental could that be to our planet in general i mean how many i think there was like um a study that said we we've detonated like over 900 nukes since we started <laughs> detonating them like and so that obviously includes tests and stuff like that but it's just you gotta wonder like c- could that be what they're referring to could they be basically saying like you know you're playing with these things as if they're just like firecrackers but they're not
1: you know um it's kind of interesting that the cold war ends when it does right in the late 1980s and early 90s and now the fear of nuclear annihilation doesn't it's not as prevalent as it was during that time period it almost makes me wonder if both the soviet union and the u.s realized turns out we can't nuke each other even if we wanted to (laughs) because these things will just come down and disengage them anyway so maybe we should just you know pretend like we solved it you know and Because there's all those famous stories, like we were hinting at earlier, of saucers coming down and totally shutting down nuclear launch sites. And if that's not a message, I I don't know know what is. Right? (laughs) Let me just show up and shut everything down you got remotely, right? Way before like Wi-Fi and all this stuff. I mean, it's absolutely crazy to think about that we would even have any sort of hostility to any other country or other humans, you know, with with all this reason to believe that we're not alone in the universe. No hard proof yet. Arguably, you know? arguably,
0: right, right, and that's the thing. It, it, it's arguably because, I mean, we an event like this, sixty-four witnesses, some of them that seem to have claimed had a message. Then you go back to Lonnie Zamora's incident where there were actual impressions left in the sand. Another right. eyewitness, you know, of actual creatures. That's that's another thing too. Is that a lot of people tend to think that maybe these crafts are like remote controlled. Like there's no intelligent. Well, not that there's no intelligent control, but the control is like you know remote. Um, but the fact that we have physical beings emerging from them, you know, it just it just brings another element to it that just really just makes it feel all the more real. And it, and the thing is, is that it, for me this is real this is 100 percent real there's not there's nothing that can really I, I will always listen to evidence on both sides of any uh, any argument but i mean for many years now my mind has been made up and a documentary like this coming around and really just putting together all these things is just it's it's almost like this is this for me feels like the documentary we've been waiting for um and i guess it's a good place to go ahead and say You know to start talking about is this the definitive ufo et documentary and what possible implications are there for that and is there a message we need to take away and i think tommy you were already getting in on some of that you know uh the fact that we have this message about technology through through the children but also this message about technology through the incidents where the ufos have actually interacted with our ability to use Nuclear weapons. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty resounding. Hey, stop playing with these things. Right, you're gonna mess something up.
1: Yes, you know. Um, to get back on the subject of the Cold War, because I just can't help it with my (laughs) history nerd knowledge. Um, there's got to be information that many other countries of this world have about the UFO phenomenon that we either are sharing or not sharing but specifically like i gotta assume that russia who is also ramping up their nuclear technology mm-hmm. as well as china and any of these other you know what you may refer to as quote unquote world powers or you know these kind of you know, stronger, put most of their money in the military, let's say, is a good way to describe them. You know, if they have nuclear technology that they're really ramping up, I have to assume that they probably also have a lot of visits and experiences that are similar to what is being described in the phenomenon. So that makes me yearn for this idea of world peace even more because imagine if we just put all this information together, you know what we can learn from that, and uh, where we could go with that information as well I think that you I think the phenomenon is a really great documentary um there's so many other stories that they didn't include that I think are just as credible. Mm-hmm. And I almost was like expecting to see that. And I was like, oh, you didn't talk about Betty and Barney Hill or. Oh, right,
0: Right. absolutely.
1: This abduction or this sighting, you know? So I think it did a really good job at picking stories that had a lot of, you know, evidence and and credibility to back it up. And I think they could totally do a part two if they wanted to as well, you know?
0: I'm really glad that you said that because the thing that I kept thinking about was yeah, it, you're right. There's so much more stuff. Like Betty and Barney Hill, it's a great example. Uh you mentioned other countries and their disclosure about UFOs. There's actually a really great report um done by the French uh called the Cometa report, C O M E T A. Um and that was pretty much the French just putting it all out there. This is all the stuff we have on UFOs. And it's pretty extensive. It's like not like the the soft disclosure stuff that the US uh releases. But um
1: you're yeah. telling you me it's got like more like detail and blatant information than what the US releases
0: so the official releases because there, there's obviously there's some stuff out like the thing I I, I showed you the other day the, the Psalm 101 right. that's, not tec- that's not technically a declassified thing that was just something that the origins of that are kind of mentioned. We'll do a whole episode on that one. We should days, because but.
1: the first couple of pages are already super trippy and
0: and awesome. By the way, you're like, oh my god, finally! <laughs> right? Yeah. So Tom and I, are referring to this uh, this manual called Psalm 101, which uh, is has been going around for many, many, many years, but originally started as like this document that some person who was looking into the UFO uh, the UFO topic just received randomly from no address no specific person addressed you know gave it to him it's just like he just got it in the mail um and it has all this information in it. it's 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 really wild if you're interested i highly recommend checking out uh it's called the uh saw som 101 it's pretty much like a field guide for if you you think about like if like there was like a task force for investigating ufos it's essentially like a manual for how to go about it and what you might encounter and all that kind of stuff. Um,
1: That's my favorite thing about it is like, you think it's going to be different somehow from any other feed field manual. And it's totally not. No, it's like very, very plain, right? Step one, do this. (laughs) It's, it feels like any other manual you're getting for training on your Taco Bell job or something. (laughs) It's, it's kind of bland until you actually realize what, the manual is about and then uh, it's it's mind-blowing definitely need to do an episode on that
0: for sure for sure um but yeah going back to the documentary i agree with you i think that what would make this documentary even better is if it was part of a series because yeah you're right this this documentary covers so much ground, but it's, it's really, it itself is only scratching the surface because there is so much more. Crop Circles has been something that I've been very interested in recently. And uh, I, I think I'm, I mentioned to you the, the Astonishing Legends, a great podcast. Totally. They just did a, a three-part, well, I think they've done two parts at the recording this episode. The third part is still coming, uh, but they're doing a, a huge coverage on Crop Circles. And it's got me igniting my fascination with crop circles because that's a whole nother area of this phenomenon that wasn't even touched in that documentary so so in regards to the question of whether this is the definitive documentary i think it's very much yes and no but i think for when i think of like what i would define as like a definitive ufo documentary my main question is is this potentially going to help convince somebody who maybe doesn't believe in ufos that at least there's something here worth investigating and i think for me the answer is absolutely yes i think that it has the power to convince that person which i think will go a long way in potentially getting more people to be more open to this
1: yeah definitely you know i um I was wondering about that, too. You know, definitive UFO documentary. Well, what is that? In my head, that to me sounds like I could tell someone who's very skeptical on the subject, like, hey, watch this and then come talk to me. And, um, you know, looking into a lot of these different events that the phenomenon covers, there's always someone who's like, well, actually, it could have been this, this, and that, right? <laughs> and you're always going to have those people, and the Zimbabwe incident as well. You know, there's some, there's people out there who say. Well, you know, this could have just been one of those mass hysteria moments where everyone's, you know, tripping out on the same thing or whatever. And really, it's it's nothing. And um, which is a totally to me, that is even more outlandish.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, right.
1: (laughs) Exactly. So that's where I get to where I was like, okay, well, what's more likely that aliens landed at this school and 64 other witnesses all saw it and still remember it and tell a similar story to today including an adult who is there and now headmaster of the school or that 64 people all hallucinated <laughs> the exact same thing at the same time of the same day right right and so i think even if you do get those people who you say hey you know go check out this documentary and even if they come back with well you know i don't know It's at that point, I think those are the people who need the Independence Day landing. You know, that's the (laughs) only way they need the diamond cube in the sky to burn him as the second coming (laughs) of Jesus. But yeah, I, I think it's a really great documentary. I think it's probably the best one I've seen so far. Agreed. And, uh, you know, maybe that part two will come out and uh, we'll say that's the best
0: one. <laughs> Here's hoping, you know, cause that it's funny because this documentary came out like last year, like October, 2020, like just dropped. It seemed like out of nowhere. And I remember right. seeing it and just seeing like it advertised and just thinking, oh, it was a new documentary. Let's check it out. It could be good. And as I'm watching it, I'm continually like, oh my God. Yeah. Whenever I watch a UFO documentary, I'm always w- trying to watch from the perspective of someone who is more skeptical. Yeah. Cuz I'm I don't know, I'm trying to see what holes could be poked into some of the things being shown. Mm-hmm. And it just honestly, it's pretty airtight as far as as far as that stuff's concerned. I mean, in addition to the numerous amounts of interviews they do with people who are actually there, uh who had these experiences, they've also got modern day people who are validating these things and you know it's interesting that it starts like well uh, you mentioned that quote in the very beginning of it where he basically says that there are more other beings out there essentially it starts with that quote and it ends with this case and i don't think that's a coincidence
1: no not at all and um you know these these children who witnessed this and the adults themselves you know they all said you know they didn't feel like they had any reason to really fear, you know, and even the person who was like, I'm a little nervous or scared, is probably just because what they're seeing is something they've never seen before. And right. you know, obviously you're going to be kind of nervous of that, but um, you know, they made it clear that they didn't feel like there was any harm that was going to be meant to them. And I get the same impression with these quotes from these like, you know, government officials. You know, I, I feel like that quote there, if it was really a threat, we would know, right? Right. I think the government, too, is fully aware that these beings are not a threat to us, and maybe that's why we don't have disclosure, because there's really no reason to be afraid of them, you know? And for whatever reason they have, um, I I think we are in the stages of early disclosure. I think that's why we're seeing all these you know uh, uh videos coming out and um the
0: pentagon is actually supposed to in in a month or so from now is supposed to release right. a report and that was part of like the covid bill that passed in december
1: exactly yeah. yeah so whatever was keeping that from happening before um i think that's finally not being justified anymore um but i think if this type of knowledge and at least um curiosity from the rest of the world would really do us a lot of good as a species um so i think more documentaries need to come out like this um you know maybe even if they do have some of that jeremy Corbell flair with the <laughs> <laughs> the, the guy who did the lazar documentary he's, he's such a i feel so bad for that guy too because he gets uh, crapped on a lot and he
0: does he's yeah he's got
1: but, such a passion for it
0: yeah he totally does and i kind of look at it like I see Jeremy Corbell as more of like an artist than a documentary filmmaker because when it comes to making like the subjects he chooses are awesome. I mean, Skinwalker Ranch, Bob Lazar. I mean, these are fascinating topics. It's just the way that he goes about presenting them. It's, you know, like for example, in the documentary for Bob Lazar, you know, he, he does like this, this free verse poetry stuff the whole way through being read by (laughs) Mickey Rourke, which is, Hey man, i love poetry and i love getting all philosophical and tripped out about this stuff but you know so that's great for me you know like right. as a piece of informational entertainment but for somebody who's you know curious about the topic and needs some convincing i think there's there's something to be desired there totally still a great uh great artist out there for this stuff right and actually, I think that's probably a good place to go ahead and start wrapping up. So, uh, yeah. so yeah. So the phenomenon, if you have not checked it out, is available on Amazon. It's available on YouTube uh, for a very small fee, and I recommend it. Tom, you recommend it? Totally. Totally. Check it out. <laughs> All right, guys. So that'll finish it up for this episode of the Alien Gazing Podcast. Uh, if you'd like to follow us on Instagram, just follow sashas Over Washington. That is. Uh, spelled all the normal ways um, you can follow me on that as well and if you'd like to follow Tom Tom is on uh, Instagram as well as that's
1: right the daily 180 the period daily period 180 come and watch me and Nick skateboard
0: really badly but have a lot of fun doing it that's what it's all about right <laughs> <laughs> hell yeah if you have UFO experience you'd like to share with us please send us an email over at saucers over washington at gmail.com additionally if you are in a shoegaze band and you'd like to have your music featured on the podcast also shoot an email over to that email address same one softwaresoverwashington@gmail.com, over washington at gmail.com all spelled the normal ways beyond that anything more you left to, to say tom uh peace out and vibe on <laughs> <laughs> peace out vibe on and keep gazing yeah.